0: Uh, money does talk. Yes. How many know that? Money talks. If you saw a dollar bill laying on the ground, how many know that it would talk to you and say, pick me up? <laughs> how many know if you saw a $20 bill laying on the ground, it would scream at you, pick me up. A $100 bill would say, I don't belong to you. But anyways, you know, it would, it would talk to you. If you saw a stack of them, you'd think, I'm in trouble if I pick that up. But anyways, money talks to us. And I believe it says something about us. And I do believe that money speaks to us. And we're going to expose the way that money speaks to us. And we're going to expose what it really reveals about us. Because I believe money does talk. Now, according to Neil Diamond, it doesn't sing, dance, or walk. But it does talk. How many know Neil Diamond? How many know that just dated me right there? Yeah. Yeah. Some of you are like, money talks. Yeah. All right. Anyways, What does it say about you? What does your money say about you? Because really what we do is we exchange money. For the things we value. That's what it says. It says, I value this. I value this. Matter of fact, they did a survey about uh, different states in the United States and they said, what do people value? And they found out in Minnesota, we value our home number one of any other state, probably because of the weather we have, but we value our home number one. Automobiles were way down there. You know, way down there. For some reason, we value wine in the state of Minnesota. Okay, I, I, I thought that was interesting. Would I have wine groves or, you know, olive groves? Not olive. Like, yeah, really. All right. <laughs> Orchards. Grapes. <laughs> yeah. All right. I got thoughts going on right now that I'm just not going to reveal. All right. <gasps> but we value things, and there's certain things that we value, and our money says that. When we spend money on our looks or we spend money on a health club, it says that we value certain things. When we go and we spend money on education, again, we value education in this state. People will spend tens of thousands of dollars. It says what we value. We value travel. There's things that people will say we value clothes. We value entertainment. And I think in our society, we probably value entertainment too much. You know, we're like, buy this, buy this, buy that, go to this, buy that, season tickets for this, that, this, wine and dine, do all these things. But we exchange money for what we value, and it says a lot about us. It's really a big part of our life, and it's a big part of our worship. It really is. The Bible has over 2,000 verses that deal with money, more than heaven and hell combined because it's the world we live in and Jesus used it in illustrations and there's all sorts of parables and stories and it's a big part of us. So in this series we're going to take a few weeks to talk about money and I know for some people it makes them uncomfortable, but because it's such a big part of us, because it's such a big part of our life, because we actually are able to worship with our money, we're going to talk about that. Now we we have a very short time at offering. I've been in some churches that are long time 5 minutes 10 minutes even 15 minutes talking about the offering we just actually do it rather short but nonetheless it's still very very important and we practice a principle here called tithing and that is giving 10% of our income to the local church to fuel the work of the Lord and we're going to talk about that in this series we talk about giving to missions and and giving to take care of those that have never heard and then of course kingdom builders which is over and above so we're going to talk a little bit about that in this series but the first thing that we're going to look at is who's first. I think our money tells us who's first. If, if we're first, it's pretty clear by the way we spend our money. If God's first, it's pretty clear as well by the way we spend our money. And I wanna say this, if you don't have God first, nothing else falls into line. If God is first, everything else just kind of flows and it falls right into place. But if God's not first, everything's out of order and you're wondering why you can't get peace and you're wondering what's wrong because God's not first. Now, I know that if we were to ask everyone, we'd say, you know, is God first in the way you spend your money? Everyone would say today, like, yes, it is, yeah, he is. But what if we were to look at your statement? Or, you know, look at your bank statement and say, you know, is God first or what's really first? I can remember once we were doing a budget, and uh, on, we were entering every expense into the, you know, into this software program. And all of a sudden, it said, "Like, would you like to make Culver's a reoccurring expense? You know, you go there so much." I was like, "No." It's convicted, you know. If your they could talk, huh? Money talks. A hundred dollar bill and a one dollar bill were in a wallet, and they were talking back and forth. bill said, oh, I go to the greatest places in the world. I go to Ruth's Chris, I go to the Coldplay concert, I go to Disney, I go to Neiman Marcus. It's amazing. They asked the $1 bill, where do you go? And the $1 bill said, I go to church, I go to church, I go to church. All right, that was cheesy. It didn't work. All right. But money does talk. And here's the language that it speaks. It speaks the language of lies. It says, just a little more and you'll be happy. Just a little more and you'll be successful. Just a little more and people will like you. The Romans had a saying. They said, money is like salt water. The more you drink it, the less it satisfies, the more you want. Get that picture in your mind. Money lies to you. It says, more will make you happy. More will make you happy. And the more you get, the more you think you need to be happy. Money says, I am life, and if you lose me, you lose life because I am what it's all about. I'm what everybody's been chasing after, and that is a language of lies. In 1 Timothy 6, verses 18 and 19, the Apostle Paul is talking to the young minister, Timothy, who apparently had some affluent people in his church. Sometimes we think the early church was all all just amongst poor people, but apparently there were affluent people in his church because Paul is talking to him and he says, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. The apostle Paul is saying rich people may think that having money and having stuff is real life, but he said, no, that's not it. It's truly life what they're doing for the kingdom of God. It's truly life when they take their currency and put it into the things of God. That's true life. Don't be seduced by the lie of money that says this is real life. What you do for God is real life. Jesus said in Luke 12, and we're going to look at that story. You could turn there, but let me highlight one verse. Luke 12, 15, Jesus said to him, Watch out, be on your guard against all kind of greed. Life does not consist in abundance of possessions. He's taking away the lie that money lives with. It's all about stuff. It's all about getting. It's all about having. You need more stuff. You need more money, and it's all about that. And Jesus says, be on guard because it's not about that. I'm gonna break down the lie that money says. Now in Luke chapter 12, let me read this story because we're gonna learn some things from it. In verse 13, it says someone in the crowd said to him, "'Teacher, tell my brother "'to divide the inheritance with me.' "'Jesus replied, "'Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you?' "'Then he said to them, "'Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. "'Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions.'" And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I'll store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fooled this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. All right, let's take a look at this. First of all, the first thing I see is this guy was angry about an inheritance, and money was saying, You need more of the inheritance. You need as much as you can get because it looks like your brother's taking more. And if you don't get what's your fair share, you better let this this judge decide because you want more money. And money was telling him that I'm more important than this relationship with your brother. And I have seen people, I'll tell you this right now, just a little side note. I've seen people split families over an inheritance. I mean, it's incredible how ridiculous it becomes. It's almost like, I can't believe we were all picking items. It was their turn to pick. And then they picked the crock pot and we didn't get grandma's crock pot. And now we're mad at them. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? Just take the George Foreman grill and move on, you know? (laughs) Seriously, they're fighting over a crock pot. And this guy's fighting over stuff because stuff says, you need me, I'm important, it's all about me. And what this guy didn't realize is he really needed a brother in his life, not a crockpot, okay? Money's saying it's all about you, and so they're fighting. And in this moment, Jesus is going, and he gives a a parable, a story. He says, this guy is, is rich, and he wasn't condemning that the guy was rich. He wasn't condemning that the guy was a good businessman. I believe that God wants us to be good business people and leaders and be able to take our gifts and talents and leverage them and make money. I believe that's a good thing. Okay. So he wasn't condemning that, but what he was condemning was the fact that this guy was saying, it's all about me. It's all about me. I will take my money and my grain and I'll be good. Build bigger barns for me so that I can say, eat, drink, and be merry and party. And it's all going to be about me. It's all going to be about my stuff. It's all going to be about consuming it and spending it on me. And Jesus said, this guy was a fool because he was not rich towards God. What does that mean? That means he, he was living for himself instead of saying, I understand there's a day that I'm leaving this earth and there's more to what's here than what I can see. I've got to think about the kingdom of God. I've got to think about those people that are in need. I've got to uh, deny myself instead of indulge myself. I want to be thinking about the things of God, thinking of eternity. And he's saying, that's the smart guy. The smart guy says, there's, there's so much here and I want to remember that God has given me the ability to do this. And when God gives you the ability to prosper, he wants you to remember him. In Proverbs verses 3, 9, and 10, it says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits, with that tithe, that 10% of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new mine. wine." Why? It's okay. It's okay to have it. He's saying, but you honor the Lord with your wealth. And money says, don't do that. Money lies and says it's not about their... You got to keep it. You got to hold on to it. Build bigger barns for yourself. Uh, Buy nicer things. It's all about you. Keep as much as you can. As you keep more, you'll have more. And it lies to us. And so even those of us that follow Jesus have to battle this lie. Because do you know that the average family in a church gives about 3% to the work of the Lord? 3%. And so we're hearing messages saying, let's honor the Lord with the tithe, and then let's go from there, and let's try to align our lives. Let's try to bend our lives towards eternity. Let's try to do this, and instead, money says, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. But you hear messages, and you're in church, and you're thinking, I like it, so you do a little bit, and the average family gives about 3%. It's really hard for us when we make more money. If it's not a, a discipline and you're not aligned with eternity, all of a sudden you start making more money and it's harder to be obedient. John Maxwell, who is a, a friend of mine, he's a famous author, uh, he talked about when he was pastoring. He said that a guy came up to him and said, Pastor, he said, I was making $500 a week and it was so easy to tithe that $50. And he said, now I'm making $500 thousand a week and I'm supposed to tithe $500 it's it's so much and it's so hard will you just pray for me and John said he grabbed his hand and said Lord I pray that he makes $500 a week so it's easier to tithe Lord (laughs) the guy's like no no wrong prayer (laughs) money lies to us and it says keep 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 now this rich guy you know what he should have said here's what he should have said God, it's all yours. You have prospered me. You've made me. You give me the ability to breathe. You give me my health. And I'm so thankful. And God, I'm going to give you more. And I'm going to make these bigger barns and these things. But I want you to know that I'm always going to give more to you. And as you increase me, I'm going to keep blessing you. And rather than eating, drinking, and partying, you know what I want to do? I want to go to all sorts of fundraisers. And I want to go to those banquets where people show the lives that were changed. And instead of partying with the party animals, I want to party with people that orphans and people whose lives were redeemed because of my giving. Those are the parties I want to go to, God. And I want to be part of that. And I want to give and give. And God, as you give me more, I'll build bigger barns and I'll keep funneling more money to you. Man, totally different. Totally different. That's being rich towards the things of God. Now, realize again, money does not satisfy. I know that it's such a deep lie that we've grabbed hold of. So I've got another story from the Bible for us in Matthew 19. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me there. Matthew 19, Verse 16 through 26. This is a rich guy coming up to Jesus. He says, Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, There's only one who's good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He inquired. Jesus replied, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. It's an interesting story here. It's an interesting story and I don't think we catch this in the story. I think we're so consumed with the fact that Jesus asked him to sell everything and we're so consumed with the fact that he walked away sad that we miss it. This guy was rich. This guy had it all, and yet he was missing something. Catch that. I don't care how rich you are in this world, if you don't have eternal life, if you don't have Jesus, you're still missing something. Okay? We hear the lie, money will make me happy. If I only had more money, if I only had more money, and this guy had it all, and he was feeling lost, he felt left out. He was missing what he really wanted in his life, purpose and meaning and something beyond the here and now. And and money doesn't satisfy, money doesn't meet all of our needs. If, If it did, this guy would have never come to Jesus. He would have saw Jesus and thought, crazy preacher? Crazy people living for whatever, don't they know? Money is the answer. Money is the answer, but there was something in him that made him go to Jesus and talk to him. And money is not the answer, because if it was, Hollywood would have the best marriages. (laughs) You'd be watching ET and they'd be saying, celebrating 50 years instead of like five (laughs) weeks ago, they got married, now they're divorced, you know what I mean? It'd be totally different. We'd all be like, I wanna be like the Kardashians instead of, ooh, all right, you know, all right? Because money doesn't satisfy. It doesn't bring you the happiness. I mean, Hazelden is full of rich people that are trying to break the habit of drug addiction because they have all the money in the world and they don't know what to do and they get sucked into things because they're looking for purpose. They're looking for the real meaning. Money doesn't satisfy. And if God's first, your money will follow. Here's what happens. When you have an encounter with God, all of a sudden something happens to your whole life. It happens to your whole life. Matthew 13, verses 44 through 46. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then it is joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. And don't miss, it says, in His joy, when you find God, when you find a relationship with Jesus Christ, in your joy, you want to follow Him. And in your joy, you want to do something for Him. And in your joy, it affects every area of your life. And you've got to break free from the lie about money. And nobody forces anyone to give around here. There's no cover charge. One time a guy came up to me at church. He was new and he goes, what's the cover charge? I said, you're new here, aren't you? Welcome. Yeah. (laughs) There's no forcing, it's in our joy we give. In our joy we do this and in our joy we exchange what we have to live for eternity and not for the lie that money says. When God has an encounter with people and they have an encounter with Him, something happens to the way they give. In Genesis chapter 4, Cain and Abel. Abel is in love with God and he gives the best, his first fruits, his tithe. And he's in love. Cain is kind of like, well, God, I'll just give you a little something. I think I'm supposed to do a little offering here. I'll give you the leftovers, whatever, 3%, you know. And God's like, I'm not accepting that. I accept his because he really loves me and he understands that. And I've got all of them. I'm first, but with you, I don't accept it. In Genesis uh, chapter 14, Abraham has an experience with God, and he says, 10% of everything I have, I'm given. I'm doing this. I want to honor God. Jacob in Genesis 28 has an encounter with God, and he's like, from here forward, I'm given 10% of everything. God, you're so good. Mary, in John chapter 12, pours out the perfume on Jesus' feet. Why? Because she's had an encounter with God. And in her joy, she counts the privilege to prepare his body for burial and pours out perfume that was worth one year's wages. Think about that. One year's wages. Why? Because she has had an encounter with God and it affected everything about her. Zacchaeus in Luke 19, let me read it for you. Zacchaeus has an encounter with God and it says, but Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor and if I've cheated anybody out of everything, I'll pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, "Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. He's saying, wow, look at the way this guy wants to part with his money. His money was his God, but now I'm his God. Now I'm in first place and this guy's willing to give half of his money away to the poor and anybody that cheated him is getting back four times. How many want like a Zacchaeus revelation on somebody that ripped you off someday, right? You want to like pay me back four times, show me that you're really saved, all right. John the Baptist. When he was preaching, repent, repent, people would go and be water baptized. And they'd come up and they said, John, how do we show people that we've really had a change of heart? You know what he said? All three things that he said dealt with money. He said, everybody give some money to the poor and take care of them. He said to the tax collectors, stop ripping people off and pay back people what, they, what you owe them. And he said to the soldiers, he said, be content with your wages and don't force people to give you more. Be content with where God has you. All three things dealt with money. Now, he could have said, okay, in order to show that you're really a follower of God right now, pray two hours a day. Faithful attendance at the synagogue for one year. Get your badge and you'll, you know, we'll know. But he says everything that he said dealt with money. Why? Because for so many, money is in first place and it needs to be moved down. It needs to be seen as a tool that God can use. We need to break free from that lie and say, God, you're in first place. I honor you. Now, here's what happens. When you have that encounter with God, you start realizing that you're living for something bigger than you. And I love what Randy Alcorn has illustrated in his book, The Treasure Principle, and I want it to go up on the screen. He said the little dot that's on the screen, this little dot represents your life here on earth. That's it, it's but a vapor is what the Bible says. But the line represents eternity. And when we understand that we've had an encounter with God and that we're now given eternal life, that we're living for our Lord and Savior, we no longer live for the dot. We no longer live for that. We're living for the line. And we understand that the dot is a vapor. It's over. It's quick. But the line goes on and on and on. And we're a fool to live thinking the lies of money are true, that it's all about the dot. It's all about eat, drink, and be merry because we know differently now. We know it's about eternity. We know it's about the line and that our lives have on and on and on and on eternity with Jesus Christ. And the thing is, we can take and live for the dot and spend all of our money on the here and now. Or the Bible tells us we can move it into the kingdom of God. We can give to the local church. We can give to kingdom builders. We can give to charity. We can do these things and support missions and all these other good things and live for the line and send it ahead. And the Bible says you're much wiser to live for the line than you are to live for the dot. But we've got to fight against the lie of money. That's why Jesus said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And if you're living for the dot, he's saying what you have can be stolen. What you have can be taken away. But if you're living for the line, he said it's secure. It's secure and that's the way you should be living, but you've gotta break free from the lies that money speaks to you over and over and over again. Now next week, we're gonna talk about overcoming fear because as soon as we try to break free from the gravitational pull of the lie of money, how many know the next attack, it's speaking lies to us, the next language it speaks is fear. We're gonna look at that next week, but I wanna tell you about one thing you can do and a very practical thing. If you've been listening to the lies of money, and you've listened to these lies like, I need to buy it. It's on sale. Look at all the money I saved. I need to buy this on credit because it will build my credit rating. It's buy one, get one free. I need two of those. And I don't know why I need two, but I need two. I have to have two. But if you've been listening to those lies or all these other things like, it's okay to finance the vacation on credit card or whatever else, the lies that the enemy's been telling you. We have a ministry here, very practical, called Financial Peace University. It's actually done in our life groups, and I encourage you to sign up. It's something where you can break free from the lies. We're going to preach the truth, and we're going to give you practical help to break free from the lies because I believe God has a greater purpose for our finances, a greater purpose for us to be living for. It's the line and not the dot. So, Lord Jesus, I pray right now that you would help us to live for the line to live for eternity? What is our life in, in comparison to eternity? And yet the lie of money says it's all about now, chase it, get it while you can, eat, drink, party, buy, do whatever you can. But deep within us, we know the Spirit of God says, I've created you for more than that. And when we have an encounter with you, when we make you our Lord and Savior, truly it's in joy that we give. But those lies are so strong, and I'm praying, God, that we could break free from those lies and start to honor you in obedience. Starting with that Old Testament minimum of 10% and going from there, realizing that we are so prosperous, we have been so blessed, we will realign our life to live for the line and not for the dot. So I pray that, Lord. I pray that people need help. They would join those groups. They would read the resources and books. And they break free from the lies that money has been speaking to them. And I thank you for that. I pray that as we grow in our wealth, we would be rich towards the things of God, rich towards the things of God, leveraging our ability to earn to give more, leveraging our, our ability to earn to be kingdom builders, leveraging our ability to earn to celebrate with those that are the least of these. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.